Hey y'all, and welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. Welcome to a brand new season of the podcast. If you are joining us for the very first time today, welcome. If you've been with us for a while now, welcome back. Every set is a great set to get started with Magic the Gathering. And if you're looking for an easy to grok explanation into the lore and characters of the stories behind the game that's happening right now, this podcast is the best place to start. And you may have noticed that this week our cadence of release was a little bit different. And that is because you asked for it over and over on our YouTube videos where we released the narrations of the actual audiobooks. And we are now bringing them to the podcast so that you can listen to them in podcast format. We really appreciate that you guys want to hear more story. And so we want to give it to you. So here it is, our new cadence, where we're going to be releasing first the story narration and then the recap. Now, if you don't want to listen to the story and you just want to listen to the recap, great. We're going to be releasing those on a regular cadence, just like we always have. But we're also going to be adding in the audiobook narrations for anyone who wants to dive in a little bit deeper. Now, we recommend that if you want to listen to both, you first listen to the narration and then you listen to the recap. But hey, it's your life. You choose your own adventure. This is so exciting. And I and I think the thing I love most about Magic Story is that there is something for everyone. High fantasy, whimsy fun or gritty gothic from epic war to internal battles of self with characters that have humor and realism and romance. Every set, every season is something new. And for this season, we're going into crime drama with our murder mystery set, Murders at Karlov Manor. Today's episode is episode one of the main story titled Ghosts of Our Past, and it's written by Seanan McGuire. Join us as we head into the multiverse. So I'm not sure if y'all noticed, but last episode, we reached our 50th episode on the Magic Story podcast. 50. We've been doing this podcast for almost a year now, and Harless and I have ventured across the multiverse, exploring so many different sets and genres and events and characters of magic. It has been a wild, crazy, and epically fun journey. So Murders at Karlov Manor, which is the subject of this season, takes place on the plane of Ravnica. We've been here before. If you remember an episode way back during season four, during March of the Machine, we know there was a lot going on in March of the Machine. And most of us probably remember more about Karn destroying Elish Norn and the Phyrexians being exiled into the multiverse by Ren and Realmbreaker and no big deal, Elspeth becoming an angel. And I don't blame us for being a bit preoccupied. It was a crazy season filled with so many events. But one episode during March of the Machine focused on our Gorgon planeswalker, Raska, who had been Phyrexianized, and she returned to her home plane of Ravnica to destroy it. And we just got a small taste of Ravnica during that episode. But if you remember, we also met Ral Zarek, the Izzet artificer and stormcaster who had, as far as we know, destroyed Raska during the war on Ravnica. And Ravnica, if you remember, is a city plane. It's a giant city that is made up of 10 different guilds, which are basically factions based on all of the two color pairs in magic. So in magic, there are five colors of mana, white, blue, black, red, and green. 
And so each of these mana colors are distinct in the powers it brings to the cards in each color, from types of creatures to the play style to spells you can cast. We talked about this way back on Dominaria in our very first season, and in most planes, the different types of mana, all five, kind of live in harmony with one another. A few planes, though, are factionalized, meaning the mana you associate with kind of defines who you are on this plane. Strixhaven is one example, with the five different colleges. Quint, from last season, is from Strixhaven. Nukapenna is another example of factionalization, where everyone falls into one of the five tricolor mob families. Ravnica is probably the magic staple for factionalization, though, with the ten different factions. And the lore of this place, from the ground up, is distinguished by these ten guilds. Natalie's point here is that there is a lot of lore to be found on Ravnica. Some of the guilds have bad blood between them. Some guilds are allies with each other for one reason or another. And we have spent many, many sets in the past focused on these Ravnican guilds and their complicated interactions. And these guilds definitely still exist on Ravnica and are still part of Ravnica lore. But the story of murders at Karlov Manor isn't focused on the guilds. We are starting a crime drama where the guilds will be kind of in the background, but they're not at the forefront of the plot. We will give you background into each of these guilds to understand the context, though, so that you're not lost. So we begin our story at Karlov Manor. The district of Karlov is a relatively new place in Ravnica. Imagine this as the place where the rich and famous live, like the Beverly Hills, the richest of the society, just drenched in ostentatious, gaudy wealth. It's over the top in almost every way. Huge cathedral buildings lavish with magical lights and plazas. And Karlov Manor is like if the richest of the Victorian age had far too much money and magic that it knew what to do with and just poured all of it into making the most enormous display of that wealth and power. Even the opening lines of the story give us a peek into this. The sky over Karlov Manor danced with a dizzying array of colors, brought to life by shimmering cascades of magic. The Orzov had purchased every Izzet Pyro work in the 10th district, creating a profligate display of power and plenty. See, it said, even to those not fortunate or favored enough to have obtained an invitation. See, we have so many resources at our command that we can spend them on frivolities. Ravnica is safe now. We do not need to worry and conserve for wartime. It was a calculated expenditure. And every burst of colors or illusionary blossoms falling from the sky reminded the people living in the shadow of the Orzov Syndicate who their saviors were. And as our story opens, we are following none other than our good friend, Kaya. Aw, I've missed Kaya. Me too. So last we saw of her was during March of the Machine, and she wasn't even on Ravnica, which is her home plane. Instead, she was helping Kaito defend Kamigawa against Tamiyo. Long story there, but what's important to know here is that Kaya's home plane is Ravnica. She's from the Orzov Guild, which is aligned with white and black mana. And this is the guild that has risen to so much wealth and power in the wake of the Phyrexian invasion. So she's home, technically. In this opening bit, we get the hint that Karlov Manor, the new ostentatiously wealthy focal point of the Orzov Syndicate, is hosting some sort of party. Tons of people from across all of the guilds are pouring into the estate. And watching from one of the balconies above is a character named Tessa Karlov. She's the new head of Orzov, and in case her name isn't enough of an indicator, the wealthy owner of Karlov Manor. So background on Tessa. 
This is the first we're seeing her on the podcast, but she is not a new character for Magic. Though not part of the fiction, she played a role during March of the Machine, which we'll hear about in just a moment. She has always been an oligarch on Ravnica, daughter of a noble, and she's very aristocratic. She's smart and ruthless. I'll have Harless describe what she looks like. Well, the first thing that you notice about Tessa when you see her in any of her art is that she's striking. She's extremely well put together. You can tell that, I mean, this woman's makeup is immaculate. Her hair is immaculate. Her outfit is immaculate. Like, this is a woman that comes from money. And you can, I mean, it oozes off of her. Like, you can absolutely tell that immediately. Like, her silken satin clothes are just, like, spotless. Yeah. And, like, there's, like, threads of gold through them. It's it's pretty stunning, like you said. Yeah, I mean, she's wearing the colors of Orzov. She's wearing white and black. It's primarily white in this set. I love this piece of art of her from this set. This piece is by Chris Rowless, and it is just so stunning. She has, like, the guild symbol on the front of her tunic. She's got these big, puffy, like, shoulder pieces and then these big bell sleeves that come out of it and a high collar that really, like, is reminiscent of, like, aristocracy or, like, just regalness, really. And Tessa walks with this black cane that she's always got with her. And um, it's just, it gives her this, like, imposing, like, I'm gonna, you better listen to me. Like, it almost, I don't want you to think of this cane as, like, this, like, enfeebled, lady who's like like leaning heavily on her cane like Tessa needs her cane for support absolutely but she also it's definitely a power move it's like a power move yeah Yeah. like it's a very powerful piece like this is not like you know your standard like wooden carved cane no 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 this is a beautiful piece that has an incredible top that she's always just got her hand resting on Um, and we'll see her use her cane in this episode but I just love the addition of that with this character because it really shows us how strong and how capable Tessa is and how much she's overcome. Yeah. And so Kaya joins Tessa on this balcony, watching the guests filter in below. In their tense conversation here, Tessa brings up the fact that Kaya was not here to defend Ravnica when the invasion came. And because of that, Kaya owes Tessa a debt. Yes, and you were distant when the invasion came to Ravnica. Tessa's smile sharpened like the knife it was. You owe me this night, Kaya. No matter how far you've traveled, you're Orzov enough to pay your debts. When Ravnica needed you, you weren't here. Kaya, of course, isn't one to just let that sit. She's angry, defending herself that she did what she had to do for the sake of the multiverse, but it still doesn't settle the debt to Tessa in Tessa's mind. Tessa had been the one to recruit the help of something called the Agency, with a capital A, to bring peace after the invasion and bring all the guilds back into the political fold. Tessa tells Kaya that they should join the guests below, and though begrudgingly, Kaya joins her. And this is from the story. The blast of sound and color from the outside wiped the moment away, replacing it with a dazzling array of Ravnica's elite. None were so gauche as to yell or otherwise express delight at Tessa's arrival. Nods, smiles, and small lifts of people's glasses were all that she received as she led Kaya out into the cool night air, settling one hand on the taller woman's shoulder in a proprietary fashion. Too quietly for anyone else to hear, she murmured, Don't embarrass me tonight. Remember why you're here. Together they moved into the crowd. Uh, Tessa gives me chills sometimes. I like, in, in all love kinds. Tessa. Like, of just like, wow, this 
this is a political leader. Like you are in the presence yeah. of someone very powerful when she's, if she can talk to Kaya like that and Kaya yeah. actually listens, like that's, that's telling enough, I think. No, absolutely. And like, I had such a fun time. So I read the audiobooks for Murders at Karlov Manor this time around, and I am having so much fun doing Taysa's parts because I, while I wouldn't call her a mean girl, she does have that like, whip like uh she does have that repartee right like she's just she's so quick yeah she's so yeah. clever and you are not putting anything past this woman and it you'll see it in this episode like kaya multiple times is like okay i'm gonna i'm done with this i would like to move away and do literally anything else and Tasa just right there every yep. single time finds her like Tasa is just incredible and I love her and I hope you guys do too. Anyway, sorry, Natalie, back to you. <laughs> All right, back to the story, back to the story. So Kaya and Tasa navigate through the crowd of Ravnica's elite. The wealthy and the powerful are all here, represented by almost every guild. No awkwardness or bad manners here, only the dazzling whirl of Ravnican society. Their very presence a reminder of everything that made Ravnica worth preserving. See, they seem to say, we are still here. And we are still glorious and we deserved salvation. And isn't that such an interesting line, right? Like we yeah. deserved our salvation because not every person, not every plane, not every community in the mm -hmm. multiverse got that salvation that Ravnica did. They did not get that same. They did not have the same power that they could push back against the Phyrexians with. And so I, I just, ooh, I loved that. It's what a, what a sneaky little line that says yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. So in the center of this crowd is the giant archon Ezrim, and beside him, Lavinia, head of the Azoria Senate. And we talked about this last time in when we were back in Ravnica with Frasca, but Azorius is the guild that are the lawmakers. They're associated with blue and white mana. All right, so we just mentioned two people. We mentioned Ezram and we mentioned Lavinia. So I want to describe to you what Ezram looks like because, oh my goodness, what an interesting character. So first of all, Ezram is on a mount. Like he comes he comes in on a mount. It has giant wings and is, you know, like multiple, like its tail splits off into multiple tails. It's just this It's almost massive... like this, like half ox, half lion is almost how I'm imagining this mount. Yeah. It does. Like, it's it does. It looks paws like of a, a combination lion. of yeah. animals. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's got like, these like the long talons on its on its hands. It's got a big set of wings. It's got a smaller set of wings near its like hindquarters. It's got horns. So this is an imposing figure already. And then you add Ezram on top of the mount. And Ezram is holding this absolutely massive like lance. And he has um, his cape like billowing in the wind. He's got a hat on his mask on. That is common of an archon to have a mask to have your face covered. Um, and he's also dressed in finery, right? He's also got these absolutely elaborate clothes on and they're like these deep like bluish purples and golds and white um so it's got that blue and white of azorius in there of course but it's also got that gold um to show you that you know this this isn't somebody who should be taken lightly this is an important person and so we also mentioned a character named lavinia who is standing right next to ezram at this party and lavinia is the head of the azorius senate and boy oh boy she looks it she is Fierce. She is dressed in this, uh, this very, um, 
like it almost Militant, looks like she's almost. half like like she, it's almost like she's ready for combat but yeah. she's got like this cape and hood with very very short hair and she is she is like ready for business she's got her sword at her hip she is covered she's totally in, ready for battle like she's covered in pauldrons like for a political leader she also looks like she is a battle commander on top of all of this so she, she is looks strict too yeah. right like she has this expression on her face that just tells you I'm going to win this argument. Yeah. Yeah. I would not want to get into an argument with Lavinia. I no. I would be like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever you say, Lavinia. <laughs> and I'm going to read this small excerpt from the story. Ezram has never belonged to any guild, but as an archon with several known associates among the Azorius, Lavinia always assumed he would one day see sense and join the Senate proper. Imagine her displeasure when after the invasion, he took on leadership. Insult to injury. Most of those associates followed him. A stroke of luck for the city as a whole, if you ask me. He's a brilliant analytical mind, above reproach, and not bound by guild affiliation. So at this point, Taysa drags Kaya into another conversation with more guild leaders, but this time it's Tulsimir and Aurelia. So Tulsimir is an elf champion. He's often in the company of wolves, and he's part of the Selesnia Guild, which is my guild, uh, which is white and green. I play a lot of white and green um, commander specifically, in case you were wondering. And then um, Aurelia is here as well. And oh my gosh. Okay. I have to say, Aurelia is one of the first characters ever that I saw in Magic the Gathering. And I was like, I had one of those moments where like I remember watching certain superhero movies and there's a particular one where there's a woman who is like doing archery on hor- like while on horseback. And I just remember being like, I want to be that right. Like that like visceral right? like reaction of like, I want to do that. When I saw Aurelia, it was the same reaction where I was like, I want to be this amazing. I want to be this fierce and feared <laughs> yes she just looks so stunning and i believe this is actually one of your favorite commander cards Uh, it is uh, aurelia is my favorite commander card of all time like my favorite commander deck is headed by aurelia as the commander and it is a legion of angels of boros angels it it is it is so much fun to play if you're me not so much as fun for my opponents apologies (laughs) (laughs) All right, so they are talking about how the Demir, which is another guild, and that one's associated with blue and black, are strangely absent from the gathering. So no one's seeing any Demir representatives or even, like, members here. And Judith, at this point, joins their conversation from the fringes. And Judith can push anyone the wrong way. Judith is blunt. She does not care about your feelings. She just says things as they are. And boy, does she push Kai's buttons right away. Not only blaming her for the Phyrexian invasion just because she's a planeswalker who was involved, but also going so far as to say that everything bad that has ever happened on Ravnica has been in some ways Kaya's doing. And Kaya obviously stands her ground, but this conversation is tense. And by the way, if you don't know Judith, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where have you been? She was released with a card called Judas Scourge Diva, which I really tried to build a deck around for my little brother, but he was like, he was interested in a different commander, but I was like, no, because he plays like a lot of black and I'm not a big black player. Um, And so I was trying to build a deck for my little brother and I was like, I swear she's like the coolest. And he was like, she looks really cool, but that's not for me. (laughs) I was totally like FOMOing out and being like, no, make this one. 
<laughs> but anyway, Judith looks just ferocious, I think is a good word. It's a good word. Yeah, she, I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this piece of art and it's just, she is most definitely Rakdos. Like Rakdos is red and black and she has, you know, like her her demon servants kind of like lifting her into the air. And she has this spiky flail weapon chain, yeah, chain it's like around That's, her arms, yeah. but she's wearing it as like a fashion statement. And she's yeah. got this. And those same spikes from it are on her costuming, right? So yeah. like she's carrying yeah. this big like flail with spikes on it that looks like, you do not want to mess with her. And then on her shoulder, on one side, like, she has this really high collar that goes into, like, almost like a shoulder pauldron. And it has all these, like, spikes on it. And then she has these, like, like a glove on one arm that's, like, super elegant and goes, like, up past her elbow. And it's, like, black and white, almost, like, buffalo check kind of. I'm sorry, Natalie, you were describing this and I totally took over because I'm no, just obsessed with her great. design. Yeah. <laughs> she has this like um, black corset with like this silk, like long skirt that has black lace at the bottom. It looks like lace. I think that's lace. It's just stunning. It's just absolutely stunning. Like Judith is the girl at the party that you're like, I really want to talk to her and be her friend, but I'm too intimidated to do I it. I am so intimidated to even approach her. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's yeah. the vibe that Judith gives off. Yeah, And she has a headpiece, too. That's just absolutely stunning. It's like two crescent moons almost, but they're formed as horns, um, which is just so cool. I love it. And luckily, right then when Kaya is is obviously getting very infuriated with Judith calling her, you know, calling her out on everything bad happened in Ravnica because of you, Kaya. Um, luckily, Tomic steps in right then. Um, and Tomic is the functional leader of the Orzov Syndicate. If you remember, he's Rao's husband, who we'd only seen briefly during March of the Machine before Vraska fell in the battle. And this is from the story. Tessa's hand was an almost comforting constant, guiding her through the crowd, even if she did insist on introducing Kaya as Orzov's own hero of the multiverse every time the opportunity presented itself. Tomic, at least, seemed to understand Kaya's discomfort. How could he not, when Rao was one of those who grieved the losses Ravnica would never know? The lives lost, the sparks extinguished, all to feed Phyrexia's endless hunger. He walked in silence, not joining Tessa's self-serving introductions, but not stopping her either. After a journey that felt at least five times longer than it was, they reached the shallow set of steps leading up to the grand balcony. Ezram was already there, and Kaya felt a pang of envy for how effortlessly he passed through the crowd. No one wanted to interrupt an Archon on a mission. A guild leader and a so-called hero, however, they felt perfectly comfortable stepping in in front of. And Tessa makes her way up to the balcony once more to conduct a speech to all of the guests, amplifying her voice by magic down to the filled courtyard below. The crowd applauded, some politely, others with more enthusiasm, although none showed more enthusiasm than the goblin in gaudy finery who had stationed himself near the dessert table, forcing anyone who wanted something sweet to subject themselves to his attempts at networking. Sorry, I chuckled at this. Like, it was such it's a so vivid funny. moment where yeah. it's like, I can picture this goblin so clearly just being right there <laughs> near the sweets table where everyone wants something sweet at this at this party, right? That's going to be the most popular table to go to. Go to. And it's like I, I can picture that this goblin is just going to be there 
at the sweets table because he wants to bother everybody who comes to get a cookie or yeah. some cake. <laughs> I just being I, so smart. I I laughed because I'm like that is one smart goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't Tastes... mean to interrupt you, Harless. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. That was I, I I agree. I'm glad you interjected because I think that one is it was so funny. It was just like what? <laughs> what <is laughs> it made me chuckle. <laughs> Tace's expression hardened for an instant when she saw him, before snapping back to perfect, unblemished serenity. I know I asked a great deal of you all when I requested you step away from your own guilds and duties for an evening of Orzov hospitality, and I hope we have lived up to your high expectations. Tonight's purpose is twofold. Tonight, we celebrate Orzov's own former leader, Kaya, for her role in the salvation of Ravnica and the multiverse during the Phyrexian invasion, during which she fought with us. Kaya does an honorary step forward and a wave to the crowd and absolutely hates every second of it. And then Tessa continues. But perhaps even more importantly, tonight we honor the members of the Ravnican Agency of Magicological Investigations. This time, the applause was raucous and rolled on and on, seemingly without end. The Ravnican Agency of Magicological... Did I say that That's right? a mouthful. Magicological... Uh, Ravnican Agency of Magicological... Of magicological investigations. investigations. That is a <laughs> mouthful. <laughs> it is. I love, it, I'm I love that I'm name. Yeah. Very proud of myself for getting that right on the first try. Uh, I did that in one take, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Round of applause. For Thank, you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the agency we mentioned earlier. And the leader of the agency is Ezrim, the Archon, who takes the stage to acknowledge the bravery of none other than Kellen. Wait, like Kellen? Like our Kellen? Halfway from Eldraine Kellen? Yeah, right? So apparently Kellen is here on Ravnica. He has joined the agency. So, like, clearly some time has passed. And he managed to bring a rampaging god to justice recently, just before the events of the set. So, like, here, clearly he has been on some adventures here. And we get the hint that a good measure of time has passed since the end of the Lost Caverns of Ixalan, and we'd seen him and Amalia hop through that omen path. So Kellen is an investigator, huh? Interesting. I can totally see him wanting to do that. He's an adventurer trying to figure out who he is. Remember when we're young, trying out new hats and new hobbies and new things left and right, seeing if any of them fit us? I feel like that is exactly what Kellen is doing here. Oh, definitely. So Tessa and Kaya wander back through the crowd after the speech where they run across two other characters from the Simic Guild. Now, Simic is blue and green. It's Vanifar and Zagana. And Kaya remarks that it's odd seeing them together because they actually have quite a bad history, seeing as Xanifar had unseated Zagana as leader of the Simic Guild. And a quick description on both these characters, just because they're cool. Zagana is the former Simic leader, and this is actually the AD's description for the card that was created for this character. And here's what the AD wrote. Zagana's teal skin is patterned with one long, continuous, organic pattern that spirals and repeats across her body, glowing with green-blue magic across her arms, legs, and the edges of her face. She spends most of her time in this mossy underground chamber. Perhaps her face is lit by reflections cast from ripples of lit water. And Vanifar, 
whose name I say wrong almost every single time because like my brain just wants it to be Jennifer so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty close in terms of spelling, to be fair. Yeah. So Vanifar, who, of course, unseated Zagana for the head of Simic. Here is the art description from the art director for Vanifar's art in the set. So Vanifar is an elf that's bio-experimented on herself and is now a strange, partially gelatinous mutant. Beneath her long, flowing lab coat-like garment, she has tendrils reminiscent of a Portuguese man-of-war instead of legs, which is like, you know, that super scary jellyfish kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's a jellyfish. Like, I had to look it up. <laughs> it, yeah, like there, I remember them because they are one of the most like lethal um, or most painful. I think it's most painful. It's like the most painful sting that you can get as a man-of-war. So I love that that was inspiration for this because it's just ferocious. So really cool. And I mean, when like those, imagine like jellyfish tendrils, right? So they're like ruffles. Almost like big ruffles of fabric, but they're bioluminescent. It's it so does cool. look like a jellyfish. It really yeah. does. Like the the ruffles of her gown look like what you would find inside of a jellyfish, like the little little tendrils. It looks so cool. So and there's cool. even like tentacles. Like there's even like these like glowing tentacles coming out of her. It's like this is a this is a pretty cool looking character. And I, I oh yeah. I would not want to contest with her. If the if the inspiration was a man of war, I don't yeah, want no. to contest uh-uh. with her. She's very deadly. I don't no thank you. No thank you. <laughs> so our good friend Kellen is hanging out near Vanifar and Zagana, where Zagana asks, Are you sure you aren't this proft we keep hearing about? And Kellen says he has no idea who he is. Although, judging from his shifty eyes, he definitely does, he's just not saying it. So instead, he finds Kaya in the crowd and comes over to her. He ducked between the pair, not waiting for the reply, and rushed to Kaya's side. Kaya looked at him, bemused. What did you need to talk to me about? Getting out of here, he said. Forgive me, but I look for clues for a living, and your expression tells me you're as uncomfortable right now as I am. Kaya blinked, startled into laughter. No wonder they honored you. I was heading for the buffet. Escort me? Kellen took her arm with visible relief, and the pair descended to ground level, where, somehow, impossibly, Tessa was waiting next to the buffet, her attention fixed on the gaudily dressed goblin as intently as a cat might fixate on a bird. Payment, she was saying, as the pair approached. The goblin looked nervous. I acquired my invitation through legitimate means. I didn't say you hadn't, said Tessa, only that there might be better uses of your resources than worming your way into a celebration unrelated to yourself. Think, Krenko. You owe the Karlovs. Not the Orzov. The Karlovs, specifically. Interesting. Kaya focused on Krenko, eavesdropping without shame. So Krenko insists that Tesa will be paid in full. But before Tesa can even respond, a ruckus interrupts them from somewhere above. And a gruel, that's G-R-U-U-L, clan centaur named Yaris. So gruel is the red and green mana guild, another super fun color combo to play in Commander, is absolutely enraged and is causing this big scene about his god that was detained by the agency and in fact by Kellen no less so Aurelia wanders again the red-headed angel wanders up to Kaya Kellen and Tessa exclaiming to Kellen that the agency is handling this poorly and that the Boros would have known how to detain a god without causing disruptions like this and all of this arguing is when Kaya slips away finally undetected taking her first full breath of relief since the party began when she escapes out the back where there's no one around. And I'm going to read this next bit from the story. The sky was beautiful. 
although the ongoing fireworks blocked the stars. She would have liked to see the stars. She had always liked the Ravnican stars. She leaned against the wall, closing her eyes. She could leave. It would be so easy. Unlike some of the people she cared about, her spark still burned as bright as it ever had and would reach across the blind eternities to carry her wherever she wanted to go. She could return to Kaldheim, see how Tyvar was adjusting to his new limitations, or head for Dominaria or Innistrad or Alara. There were no limits. She didn't have to stay here. She felt herself begin to reach, desire becoming reality, and stopped, opening her eyes and digging her heels into the balcony. Tessa might make her point in the worst possible ways, but she was also right. When Ravnica needed her most, Kaya had allowed her own sense of what mattered to take her away. If she'd stayed, she might have been able to shape the Orzov into more of a force for good. If she'd refused her position on the strike team so someone else could hold it, maybe they would have been successful. There was no way of knowing, but if she stayed here, she might have changed everything. So this is where Tessa catches up to Kaya, saying that she absolutely needs to speak to Kaya about something. Alone. Like, really alone. And she hasn't had an opportunity all evening until now. But before Tessa can tell her anything, a scream shatters through the moment, enough to drown out the entire gathering. And Kaya doesn't even think twice. She races off towards the sound. And she says something about she won't let Ravnica down this time. And which is a very Kaya thing to think at the very end. And that's yeah, the very well, end also, of this like, episode. She's been primed to think that, right? This entire episode, Tessa, Judith, everybody has been like, you you failed us. You failed us. You failed us. You failed us over and over and over. So like, yeah, that's that's been drilled into her since the beginning. Yeah. So no wonder she's like running off. She's like, but yep, she I'm going to fix this. I've got to redeem so myself. That's so unfair. It, like, no. She helped save Kamigawa. Like, <laughs> like we saw yeah, Kaya Kamigawa, be a true Rav- hero. Let's, let's not forget that Ravnica survived, right? It that's, did. That's, that's what we said in the beginning. They they had their salvation. But Kamigawa, if Kaya had not been there, I don't think Kamigawa would be standing. No, I don't think so either. And Kaya was on the Strike Force team trying to bring the Silex to the Seed Core way back in Phyrexia All Will Be One. Kaya was, you know, because they got as far as they did because of Kaya and her connection with Jace. She and was the first person who realized there was something going on with Jace. She was the first yep. person who realized that his Phyrexianization was starting to overtake him. And she was the one to get that, try to get that Silex out of his hands the first time, you know? So, like, yep. without her perception, without her persistence, without her help against Tomio, nothing would have gone the way that it did. And in fact, maybe they wouldn't have even made it. They wouldn't have even Like, survived. they wouldn't have so, even succeeded against Phyrexia if Kaya right. had done something differently. So, in my opinion, I think Kaya's being a little unfair to herself. Yeah, but, like, who isn't, right? Who among us? It's January. It is New Year, New Me time, right? Like, everybody is, like, being so hard on themselves right now and being like, oh, I should have hit this goal or that goal or done this or that thing. And like PSA that even planeswalkers feel overwhelmed. Take time for your own mental health. Do self-care. Buy the bath bomb. Buy the sheet mask. Do the thing. Just take care of yourself right now and don't give in to um, hustle culture. Anyway, that's my PSA. Yeah, Kaya. <laughs> <laughs> because Kaya, that's what she's you doing. She's the like- multiverse girl. 
You yeah, don't need to like, be hard on yourself. Take credit for your for your the things that you're getting accolades for. Like she's literally being honored at this party, right? And she can't even enjoy it because there's certain she people she in that room who are telling her she's failed, and those people are like, you know, their opinion is getting to her. It's seeping in, um, you know, which is so frustrating because Kai is so amazing and she's done so much and she's lost so much. Like there's um there's an, a part in the next episode, not to spoil anything because it's not really a plot point, but where someone realizes that like Kaya has like put a wall up kind of like when they look into her eyes, they see that Kaya has like put a wall up and we're going to really see that throughout this season that Mm -hmm. Kaya is dealing with some things internally. And we started to see that in March of the machine. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, we we saw her start to be like, she had the most like, um, self-aware moment during March of the Machine where she was like, I know that in this moment I need to compartmentalize what is happening, but mm-hmm. I also acknowledge the fact that this is going to change me forever. And here we're seeing that it really has and that really she's has. more closed off and she's yeah. harder on herself and potentially harder on others. And, you know, we're just, we're going to see what Kaya has become after everything she went through in the Phyrexian invasion, because let's not forget how much she lost to get here. I'm so excited so, to follow Kaya more in yeah. like, like it's, it's been, we've seen her uh, share the spotlight, but we've never really focused on her. And I, so I'm really excited that this season we kind of get a little bit more focus on Kaya. I really like Kaya as a character, but we were also introduced to a ton of other characters and we will get to know them much better over the course of this season. So like, fear not, we will we will get to know all of these characters, Aurelia, Ezrim, you know, uh, Vanifar, all of these other characters that were introduced just in passing in this in this episode. If you are if you are confused, it will quickly become not confusing because we are going to dive into all of these characters in, in future episodes as well. And Kellen's here, you know, Kellen's no big here. deal. I know. I was about to say that, like, Kellen is here. That is so exciting. Um, And I love this for Kellen because when I think of like a detective, right, I think of a lot of the tropes, like a Sherlock Holmes who's very like put together. And and that's not what Kellen is (laughs) at all. Kellen is like very inquisitive. I'll give him that. Um, Very curious man who is just like, hey, guys. I'm here to solve an adventure, to go on an adventure and solve a crime. And I don't know how I got here. And oh God, there's goblins chasing me, but oops, I figured it out. (laughs) He reminds me, he reminds me of our, of our like late teenage years, you know, like when we're trying to like figure out what we wanted, whether we want to go to college after high school or whether we want to go travel the world or whether we, what do we want to be? And and it's just like, I, I said that he's wearing all these different hats because he's trying to figure out who he is yeah. and he's still so young, but we can see that he's starting to like grow up just a little bit. You know, we saw it yeah. last season um, and Kellen is there's, there's some time that has passed. Uh, we don't know how much, but enough for him to detain a god and join the agency. So clearly some well, time has passed. What I thought was interesting in this episode, too, is like he's like very like, oh, I don't want this award. And like, I honestly think that's a little bit and this is just me reading into it. But I think that's different from the Kellen we saw in Wilds of Eldraine, who oh, like yeah, received definitely. those those like went to the play that they gave to Ruby and and Kellen to Wanted like show acknowledgement. Them. And yeah, he was fine with get being acknowledged and praised. And now he's like a little bit older and I think he's a little more uncomfortable with it. 
Um, because he's been around all these really amazing people now, right? Like he's not the yeah. um what is that expression? He's he's not he's not a big fish in a small pond anymore. You know, yes. he's a big fish yeah. in an ocean in Ravnica, especially, right? Like Ra- like Natalie said, Ravnica is like a big city. So wherever in the world you live, just imagine the nearest biggest city. And that's Ravnica, right? Like the hustle, the bustle. Um and and he was a farmhand, right? Like, or he lived on a farm, right? So like with his little dog, Hex. We love Hex. Hex. We want we wish Hex was here. Um, I hope we get to see Hex again one day. I Hex is such a good boy. Um, Hex deserves everything. I miss so Hex. Hopefully. I miss Hex. <laughs> bring Hex back. Um, <laughs> if anyone on game design is listening to this, bring Hex back. <laughs> All right. The mystery has clearly just begun. Our crime drama continues in our next episode. If you liked Ghost of Our Past by Sean and McGuire, you can read it for yourself right now on mtgstory.com or you can listen to it if you just go to the previous episode before this. And of course, many, many other stories are going to be found on mtgstory.com. So just head over there, check everything out. If you're more of a reader than a listener, go check it out there. Otherwise, we got you covered on the podcast. Thanks so much all for tuning in today and we will see you in our next episode coming to you right around the corner. But until then, have have a magical magical day. day.